jobs, dude. <laughs> oh, another lovely post-work work. It's pre-Valentine's. Well, look at us. Don't try not to come at it with so much enthusiasm. <laughs> hey, I bought steaks for tomorrow. It's post-Valentine's for the people so, out there listening to the show. You can cook me a fancy dinner. Yeah, goddamn right. <laughs> Day four or five over at my job. Uh, working my 10-hour shifts. Get off that and make fancy dinner. We should get fancy wine. Mm -hmm. Get hammered. So want to go in for my race to the 50-hour work week. You want to die? I, I, I have something left to live for. <laughs> go in with a nice smooth buzz. <laughs> mm. Bam, Montana ale. I'm excited for your uh, Valentine's gift to get here, though, because I think you're going to like it I'm excited lot. for you to see your Valentine's gift because uh, you are going to like it a lot, or I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you with your gift if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes for Made. Now, one may think that this is a two-star Tuesday about the movie Dark Crimes. It is not a two-star Tuesday about the movie Dark Crimes. This is just your standard. Mistakes from a podcast. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the slowly dying, slowly inside. dying, the frustrated, the exhausted, <laughs> Kristen Pennington, and she's guiding the ship today, folks, because we got over forty Maltese puppies in on a cruelty case, and I'm working overtime, and I'm dead inside, so I can't be put in charge of the show notes after work. So, Kristen, what do we have today? So, um, Brett mentioned on a recent episode that, you know, the Oscars were that night, and obviously now the yeah. Oscars have come and gone. And um, I was reading an article online about Parasite, which we're not going to talk about the yeah. movie Parasite, because Brett and I have both not seen yeah. it. Yeah, Kristen's got dodgy judgments <clears throat> about the Jews. Parasite isn't even a Jewish film. It's a joke about something Hitler said in Mein Kampf. <laughs> Okay. When he referred um, to them. Okay, never mind. <laughs> too early for the Holocaust jokes? Uh, fucking two minutes and 20 seconds in? I don't... Okay, whatever. Okay, do you, do you need to go to bed now? The movie, Parasite. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with um, the coronavirus. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so, um, we're not going to talk about the movie, Parasite, because neither of us have seen it, but I saw an article online, because um, Parasite won Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah. And it is the first non-English film to win the Best Picture category in the entire 92-year history of the Oscars. I can't believe that. I thought there would be one French film in there someplace. Uh, no. Uh, Parasite is the first ever to win the award. Well, it's because America doesn't, like, respect foreign horror films. Like, if, well, if you guys are out there and you've not seen I Saw the Devil, which I believe is also a Korean film, and I think that's the title, um... Fucking epic. It's all in Korean. I, you have to read all the subtitles, and it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. Then there's the French one that, that I can only remember the one scene where he's, you know, getting the blowjob in the truck, and then he finishes the blowjob and picks up the girl's hair and the drops the severed head out the window. I thought that was the Serbian No, that's not the Serbian film. Ser Serbian film's only for the hardcore fans out there who are... Is that one in English? I uh, can't remember. That's how fucking horrific it was. I don't think so. It's probably in Serbian or Russian or whatever they speak in Serbian. <laughs> not coming off strong as supporters of foreign films in this. Well, like, I've seen several. Like, I, I enjoy a nice foreign film, but I, I also like to drink when I watch movies, and when I drink, I don't read subtitles as fast as I should. Well, uh, speaking of, um, 
That was, like, one of the things that this article was talking about. Like, the common complaint for people watching foreign films is that it's too difficult or confusing or complex to read a subtitle and also watch a movie at the same time. And um, I guess they did a study on that, and it is obviously true that different areas of your brain are active while you're watching a But at a certain point, like, ten minutes in, like, it starts to click. Yeah, Yeah. that's kind of the argument that they were making. Like, once you can kind of get in the groove, um, that it's not that hard to keep Mm -hmm. up, but... Your brain is actively trying to watch the movie, read the subtitles, and also listen to the inflection and the voices of the actors, even though you can't understand what they're saying, just so you can kind of understand the mood. So it is kind of your brain's working a bit differently. But um, foreign films in general aren't as successful in America because of that complaint most yeah, people don't we, like watching yeah, we hired donald trump there's not a lot of us that can read <laughs> most people don't like watching a film that they have to read and um to contrast uh the differences here parasite made 35 million no to, shit to date so far the I, joker i had not even heard of parasite until like it won the award. Yeah, and that's that was kind of the running joke. Like nobody really knew what it was until they won the award. Now all these white people are coming out like, "Oh, it scared the shit yeah. out of me." I'm so cultured. <laughs> and I've I've heard it is a very intense movie. I've heard it's really good. Well, I, I kind of like it. to watch it. But to give you kind of a contrast here, so Parasite earned 35 million. Yeah. The Joker, which you know was Probably also had a budget of 35 million. <laughs> the Joker, which was also yeah. you know up for awards this Oscar season, over a billion. God. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, well, it was like 1.75, I think. Yeah. Million. So uh, quite a audience difference. Yeah. And um, if everybody in America gave that dude like five dollars, I don't know. I'm not good at math, but I don't think it comes up with that number. The highest-grossing U.S. foreign film so far is *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*, and even it only made 128 million. I thought that got knocked out a while ago. Uh. I don't know. The highest grossing before the Joker? Foreign film. Oh, 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 oh. I gotcha. Yeah. uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon uh, only made $128 million. Damn. (laughs) And it's the highest grossing foreign film. So, uh, yeah. And I just confused it with Kill Bill in my brain, so I need to go back and rewatch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It was like, Quentin Tarantino only made 128 mil? Like, <laughs> um, but it, it had like a list of some of the more popular foreign films in the past two decades, yeah. and there aren't that many. Like, Crouching Tiger came out in 2000. Amelie, which is a French rom-com, came out in mm-hmm. 2001. I think it made... Um, if I'm not mistaken, like a hundred million in total as well, but I don't know that it was all in the yeah. U.S. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which was 2006, mm-hmm. and then Roma, which I've never heard of. It was a Mexican drama in 2018. So um, the only one I've heard of on there is Pan's Labyrinth. I know Amelie. You didn't know Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Well, I, I did. Well, that one, but I'm outside like... <laughs> of in the little list that you just read. Yeah, uh, I have seen part of Amelie. I've never watched all of it. We watched part of it while I was in film school, but yeah. we didn't end up finishing it. And it was actually kind of a cute movie. I'd like huh. to go back and revisit it. Um, the intro, if I'm remembering right, was interesting because it was a lot of like weird choppy scenes, like very focused on sound. So it was kind of a neat mm-hmm. little intro, but um, I've heard it's a really good movie. I've only seen part of it. so. But uh, the director... Of Parasite, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this, so my bad. Um, Bong Joon-ho. Um, 
Sounds good to me. <laughs> I like bongs, Jews, and hoes. Um, after <laughs> Parasite won the award, he uh, was quoted saying, once you overcome the one-inch-tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. And um, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, come on, dumbass. <laughs> the one-inch-tall. It's Give me that little bit of effort, and you will have... Hundreds of other countries worth of film. And um, speaking of hundreds of other countries, actually, you're segueing me all over the place into well, my points. Well, we could slow down and talk about them for a minute <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> well, like it was, uh, and I didn't write any of that down because this episode isn't yeah. really about um, foreign, foreign films or subtitled movies in general. But um, it had like a whole history of subtitled films, and there was this guy who had like yeah. done most of the translation work on it, and. Um, there was like a little bit talking about how, ironically, the rise of streaming services and mm-hmm. the death of network television and um, cable television um, is kind of what's boosted subtitled films like starting to succeed. Yeah. So um, I can't remember what the rule was called, but there was some kind of ruling if a film was broadcasted with subtitles, it had to be... Um, if it was published online or any other mm-hmm. format, it had to include the subtitles. So, like, you, like they incorporated a rule where you had to include the subtitles. Yeah. Period. For so, deaf I mean, people. yeah, they're more popular now yeah. in general. And like with cell phones and stuff, a lot of people turn the volume off and just read the subtitles if they're not supposed to have their phone out. You mm-hmm. know, like I've seen people do that so many times, yeah. like in crowded public places where you can't hear if you're at work and you're not supposed to yeah. have your phone. Like, switch to subtitles and just read it. But um. Especially with Netflix, since, you know, it's one of the most popular streaming services out there right now. They're in over 190 countries. Yeah. And uh, a lot of their content is foreign films. Um, So whenever you get your little suggested list from Netflix that's all American rom-coms or whatever the hell you watch, um, there's a lot of other films out there. We should do that. We should do a two-star Tuesday of a foreign foreign film. film. Like a foreign horror just be like, I want to find a dog shit French horror film and watch it. You know? I really, I do. Like, where did they fuck up? But then we'd fuck up all the names. Like, Emmeline LeBlanc. I do legit want to watch Parasite, but um, it's, I highly doubt, a two star. It's been mm. excessively praised. Well, if they gave the best film to a two star, that would be a problem. I'm saying that we actively find a two star no, no. horror film. In general, I'd like to we watch get it. hammered. We can't even read the subtitles anymore. We're like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> yeah, I already get lost on characters in two stars yeah. in general these days, so I don't know how well it would go <laughs> if it was in a language. Like, I feel like Dark Crimes was a foreign film. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, we think maybe was Russian. Yeah. I don't think we ever really. No, we didn't I didn't. Jim Carrey did not have a great accent throughout <laughs> did, the film. Yeah, we didn't look up where it was, but we think maybe it was set in Russia. But Russia, every, it's somewhere in the Eastern Bloc for sure. Everybody was speaking English, just in accents, yeah. and uh, the characters had different names. And yeah, we got and super it pulls lost. you out. <laughs> it pulls you out lost. of the film because none of them are speaking the native language. And I don't know if this is a weird place to segue to it, but talking about language and things. I finished Cormac McCarthy's The Crossing today while I was at work. Yeah, I read a lot. Over 400 pages in the past, like, three weeks. little praise. <laughs> this motherfucker. Uh, probably just because I love Cormac that much. Um, but he did a really interesting thing, and he's done it before in other novels, and this is not a new novel, you know, it's... It, it, pretty old novel at this point but he um 
in, instead of like a lot of the novel takes place in Mexico and it's told from the perspective of an American character from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, when the American character goes into Mexico and is in conversation with Mexicans, the entire conversation is in Spanish. And then you might get a paragraph where like past the hello, how are you doing? Well, not so well. My wife died, this, that, the other thing. Like the basic premise of the conversation happens entirely in untranslated Spanish. And then the Spanish or the Mexican guy will go on to um, tell him a story. And then the story breaks off into a paragraph where it said he told me a story about da 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 And that's where like the true crunches. But I think I learned more Spanish from Cormac McCarthy's The Crossing than I did in four years of Spanish classes at MTSU. Well, the <laughs> article that I was reading was like talking about... Um, well, you picked up on, I, I picked up on the words. And it was like, yeah. I know what that word is because he used that word earlier in context. And so like I was like, fuck, I'm learning Spanish. <laughs> you could have just sat me down and been like, all semester, Brett, just read Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> All the border trilogy. Just read all of those books. You will learn Spanish. Well, um, the article that I was reading was actually talking about um, how, like, streaming services and stuff are, like, trying to embrace, um, like, foreign films more and films that aren't in English more. Because that was, like, one thing where people were like, well, why can't you just voice dub English over the actual instead of putting I've got a poetry book in Polish, by the way, and I'm not reading that book. Because I don't know Polish. (laughs) But uh, one of the shows that they... that's the name of the language. One of the shows that they mentioned, I think, was Narcos. And, yeah, um, that's fucking brilliant. Have you seen Narcos? I haven't. But apparently when they um, have... The like, Colombians, yeah. Yeah, well, apparently they have, like, scenes that are in Spanish, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, they transition back and forth between, like, the English scenes and, like, scenes where the characters are speaking Spanish. And they were talking about how... Um, audiences have like yeah. embraced that because it feels like a little more natural versus like oh I'm having that's the one about the Escobar thing. right I can't remember I think I think Narcos is the one about Pablo Escobar and then like season two's about um, Guzman the fucking El Chapo I've never seen it so I'm it, not it's, sure. <laughs> it's fucking insanity it, it, it's beautiful but I think that that's an interesting concept, like... And there's and a really... I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. You do. <laughs> well, I don't have show notes. Uh, there's a really interesting TV show that I'm going to... Gamora is about um, the Italian mob in Italy, and it's all subtitles, and it's this beautiful... It, it, it's to me, blows Narcos out of the goddamn water. So if you can find Gamora, it makes the Sopranos look like a sissy little girl's tale. And it's all like straight Italian mob in Italy doing their shit in Palermo. (laughs) Is it all Italian? Yeah, it's all in Italian. You got the subtitles at the bottom, but they're like blowing up cars and like shooting each other in the face and like raping each other's sisters. And it's all like... Da, 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 da. And the, but like if you were to close your eyes it's like the most beautiful language you've ever heard it's so musical but but like it's it's interesting to me that because i guess that's kind of where this whole topic was going like having to like overcome like barriers to yeah. entry um to like release your art and yeah. like have people like accept your art like it's interesting to me that we don't seem to have a problem with shows here in America that are like reality S T V shows that um, 
have like these backwoods hillbillies that have such thick accents that yeah. they have to be subtitled because you can't really yeah. understand them that well. Duck like, hunting or whatever the name of it. Yeah, like we're fine with stuff <laughs> like that where it's like the characters are so southern they have to be subtitled yeah. and we're like, yeah, good old southern boy. What but... was the one we were watching that was like all the New Orleans people and they didn't have subtitles and they were all speaking like straight Creole? And <laughs> Everybody was like called Du Bois and shit like that. And they're like, it's like that could be Spanish, it could be French. Was that a show we watched together? It might like have been that. in that rap documentary oh. when they did the episode in New Orleans and mm. they did not give you subtitles. So we just kept looking at each other like, I have no fucking idea what they're talking about right now. When they were like interviewing mm. people from the local area. But even, uh, shoot, the. Malcolm X documentary. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Who killed Malcolm X? Who killed X? Malcolm yeah. X, which uh, we finished last night. Yeah, like there yeah. was like one white character in that, which granted, to be fair, he looked like maybe he had had some kind of surgery yeah. or something. Um, but you couldn't really understand what he was saying, and they like dubbed a lot of what he was saying. And like we're cool with stuff like that for whatever reason, but it's like, oh, God forbid it's a foreigner yeah. talking. How, you know? how dare they? <laughs> so it's just kind of a weird concept of like barriers that we set on each other Mm -hmm. whenever like i feel like internally we're all kind of the same like regardless of like religion or race or you know personal beliefs politics or whatever like i feel like at our core for the most part people are all kind of the same like we're all worried about the same thing like do i have a place to sleep tonight do i have am i gonna get bombed by the united states military I mean, like, stripped down to our core, like, do I have food? Do I provide for my family? Yeah, Yeah, like, basic wants and needs and concerns. But then you add just, like, a little bit of distinction, and we're like, oh, those people. Those motherfuckers. (laughs) Like, that's not okay. You keep that over there. Yeah, well, that's been a huge problem with the whole coronavirus thing, is, like, people are, like, turning that into a reason to be prejudiced against the Asian community, Mm -hmm. you know, actively. They're like, oh, they're bringing sickness. It's like, I... We brought smallpox. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you guys are talking about. <laughs> so I'm curious though, like, what's your opinion of um, like subtitled films? I love them. I, I think I've named as many as you have here. Like, no, but I mean, like, when you watch them, like, do you find that like I, it, frustrating? I no, I don't find it frustrating at all. Um, I have a massive love for foreign horror films, and I've seen several like foreign dramas. I just not ones that, you know, spring to mind because I had to read them, you know, kind mm-hmm. of things. Um, but I mean, the first five minutes maybe are like, oh God, I, I'm not really following or you got to, you know, pause it. But Yeah, and like the article that I was reading Once you was fall like, into line with it, I don't even realize that I'm reading the dialogue anymore. You yeah, know? like the article that I was reading was like talking about, I don't know if they meant particularly in America or just in general, like... If you have, uh, like, compelling characters or character-driven stories, like, we're a little more willing to, like, fall in yeah. and kind of forget that it's subtitled and then, like... Because um, you can almost feel it. Like, wife is angry at husband. Do I need to know the specifics more than, like, your eyes dart down for keywords and then back up to the screen? Yeah. And it's all very much driven by the action that's happening yeah, like I, I watched Pan's Labyrinth. That's the only one. Yeah. I've seen Crouching Tiger, I think. Um, but that's the only one like on this list that I've seen. Um, 
that I like remember really enjoying. And yeah, I remember the first few minutes kind of being like, oh man, this is going to take some getting <laughs> used to. Like having to like look down and up, down and up. And then like by the end of the film, I was just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like I, I haven't seen too many foreign films, I, I will be honest. Um, well, I've watched a lot of films on airplanes. Mm-hmm. And that might be where I picked that skill so, up. Yeah, see, I've like, never traveled yeah, internationally. I've flown internationally more times than I can count since I was a kid. Like, we were always bouncing all over the place. And I I have a baby brother, so... Like, even long car rides, you know, if we were watching something on, like, a little portable DVD player or whatever... Like, I, I wasn't allowed volume on it. <laughs> so you put the volume down and you, you almost hear the inflection inside of your head without seeing it. You know? Yeah. But like, I would, I guess, since I should probably try to be a more cultured filmmaker, <laughs> like to watch some more foreign films, I, I am, like, very I'm a thousand percent by down. Parasite. Like, even just like the little I haven't seen a trailer for it or anything but just the little promo videos I've seen of it are all really cool there's like that one photo of the whole family standing there and they have like the blackout bar like you know for nudity but it's over their eyes Mm -hmm. so I don't know it just looks neat I'm like ooh what's that like they're like patient zero type stuff I think it's about um, what I was reading in the article which I didn't actually look up Parasite because I didn't want to like spoil it in case we watched it later um like class differences mm. in Korean families. So it's like a dark. That would be really interesting. Yeah, it's like a dark comedy slash thriller. Do you know um, if it's North or South Korea? South. Mm-hmm. It did. It, it is set in South Korea? I don't know for sure about that. I know it is a South Korean film. Yeah, though. South Korea's got some crazy <laughs> caste system. Yeah, so. Where, I, like I, when you're 16 or whatever, they, they're like, you're a plumber, you're a lawyer, and then that is what you are. <laughs> my understanding was that it involved something along like their class yeah. separation. Um, but yeah, it was like a, listed as a dark comedy thriller, so. Intrigued, it's on the list for things I'd like to see in I'm the definitely future. down, and if it won the award, the likelihood that it shows up on Netflix is almost guaranteed. Oh yeah, for sure. And then it's like, I don't know. The fact that it's the first foreign film ever to win the award. I don't know if that's just us as a society trying to prove we're not racist or if well, it's really aca- that good. The, the Academy is here <laughs> and Hollywood is Hollywood. You know, you've got Bollywood. You've got a lot of really good films that come out of India. But I, I, I will admit I've never watched a Bollywood film, but I have seen... There's a lot of dancing. I've seen... It feels like a lot of like late 50s, early 60s, like Gone with the Wind, you know, dance number for no reason. clips from yeah. the sillier ones that people make fun mm-hmm. of, and I'm just like, man, that looks so bad, I don't think I could watch it. Yeah, but they've got a handful. I, I would I like to name. see a decent Bollywood film, because all the ones that I've seen clips of, I'm just like, what? Yeah, but Hollywood is the standard, and the Academy is here, so, you know, it... Up until recently, we weren't even looking at other countries to see what their artistic endeavors were outside of Europe, you know. That was one thing that they were um, saying about Parasite in this article, which again, I've not seen it, so I'm not, you know, making any judgments about it. But they were saying that it was apparently, I guess, a film that, like, more decent amount of money Mm -hmm. had been dumped into. And it was like a very, like, artfully, beautifully done film. So they were like, you know, that's probably part of the reason people here are, like, willing to accept it more. Because it looks a bit more like an American film. Like, to to contrast it with the only, like, 0% Rotten Tomatoes uh, dark crimes. Um, (laughs) The problem and the reason why we're not doing a two-star on it was it was beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. 
The plot was beautiful. The acting was on par. But it was a bad movie. <laughs> it just drug. And it was very lost most of it. That was my only complaint with it. I was it. Like, like, I don't have 15 minutes and I can talk about it. I enjoyed it, but what the fuck did I just watch? Like, I feel like I have to watch it again to see what... I missed that. I feel like I would need to read a breakdown of it and then go into the second viewing yeah. with that breakdown. Because, like, I feel like maybe I just didn't understand it. Well, like, that's the problem. But it has a zero percent, which means nobody understood what the <laughs> fuck was going on in that movie. <laughs> yeah. It, and it was pretty. It wanted to be Gone Girl. And that's the one that it goes back to. Like, it, it kind of, in a way, if you think about it. <laughs> Actually, I haven't seen Gone Girl. Oh, well, that <laughs> reference not, is lost. Not cultured. <laughs> but um, we've also had. Takes, takes a sip. Takes a sip, <laughs> um, We've also had like some stuff going on here in Missoula uh, this week. Yeah, on top of the <laughs> biggest animal cruelty case that anybody that I work with has ever seen, and we deal with animal cruelty cases on a weekly basis. Um, Nine dogs pulled out of a trailer, another 32 pulled out of a house on the same property. Outside of that. Outside of that. <laughs> we had our first quote-unquote potential active shooter. Active shooter in Missoula, Montana. Um, Brad and I are on the fence whether or not we... think it might be a rock. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe somebody did shoot. I don't know. I was thinking earlier, and I, I, I don't want to, you know, get caught up in a legal suit with the uh, officer involved in the uh, situation. But I was thinking, like, what if he was just dicking around with his gun? Oh, no. <laughs> blew out his back window and was just like, I have to call this in as a shooting. There's no way I'm telling my friends I was pulling the Clint Eastwood on my rearview mirror and fucking shot a hole through my vehicle. <laughs> but potentially there was an active shooter yeah. or somebody fucking a, around, I don't know. A shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like everybody that I work with and it seems like everybody in this town was like freaking out about it. Like, oh my God, this doesn't happen here. I've yeah. never even heard of this. And like... There was a... To give the people outside of Missoula a frame of reference, uh, my understanding of the case is that there was an officer sitting in a car. He'd either pulled somebody over in front of the courthouse or was sitting in his car outside of the courthouse. And apparently a gunshot went off. It entered the vehicle, I believe, through the back window, missing the officer, so nobody was injured, but it was a single round. No suspects had been found. They brought the SWAT team yeah, out. They, blocked they brought off snipers the out. They were moving leave. people into armored vehicles. It shut down downtown Missoula, a town of 75,000 people. People kept coming in where I work because I'm kind of near downtown. They were like, you know this happened, right? Because yeah. everything else had shut down. There's a person shooting people here. Yeah. yeah, and they were, like, surveying our building to make sure we were all, like, safe. And, like, Brett and I were, like, talking about it that night when we got home. And it was like, this happens every day back yeah. in Nashville. <laughs> like, Dude, and it does. Because, like, I went back and I looked at the headline news when I got in. And I like to check, you know, national and then local. And then I checked Nashville and Murfreesboro back in Tennessee just to kind of stay on par with, you know, my little group. And, um, yeah, there was, like, a 
police officer got shot at like last night and then another one got involved in a massive like a DUI suspect like ran into his car and damn near killed him and then there was like a shooting on Broadway and a stabbing like out in and the I'd east literally be <laughs> on campus in class and constantly get assault at the dorms uh-huh. rape at the dorms like suspect shooting near gas station near campus yeah. you know like be on the lookout and like it was like regularly stuff that was kind of in the area yeah. you were in. I had a carry permit. I don't have that here. I <laughs> let it expire. I was like, I don't need a gun in this white town. <laughs> like, I was driving home today from work and um, I saw a bunch of cops like pulled over um, outside of a building on the way home. And I, I don't know if like somebody yeah. had gotten hurt or what was going on because I was like, Stopped at a red light, like, a little further mm-hmm. down, and then an ambulance and a fire truck went by, and I was just sitting there thinking, I think that's the first time I've seen an ambulance and a fire truck go by <laughs> since we moved here. And, like, that was, like, a thing you would regularly... Every night. Yeah. Like, uh, our podcast used to get interrupted by police cars. Yeah. We'd be in the middle of a discussion, and in the background, you just hear... Laying in bed at night, and just hear one shoot off down the road yeah. next to our apartment. So, it's just kind of a weird... Um, and I know it's not really the same, but like kind of piggybacking yeah. off of like, um, and I'm happy that the officer was not, in, you know, hurt in the shooting just to make that clear. Nobody was hurt. I'm beyond grateful. I am making fun of the response to the situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been shot at and had a bullet put in my truck and the news didn't even show up for that. <laughs> my boss didn't even show up for that. We just accepted that somebody shot my truck while I was working a security gig. And that was that. The insurance didn't give a shit. Told my dad. Dad didn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, no. And, like, it's it's not really the same, but, like, kind of piggybacking off of the whole, like, foreign yeah, our, films and our overcoming. people outside of America are so lost right now. Like, our, our English listenership is like, what? Somebody got shot at outside of a courthouse and you're okay with that? <laughs> a bullet? <laughs> Anyway, um... I'm sorry. Yeah, you keep interrupting me. I know. I don't have notes. <laughs> Rain I don't know one. where we're going. I don't know how many topics we have. Okay, well, I'm going to get a refill. You tell them all about the thing that you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I love you. Um, like I said, I know for the third time. I know it's not really the same, but kind of piggybacking off of... That would have been hilarious if you'd interrupted me again. <laughs> And one more thing. You should go to Compton. It makes Nashville look like a bag of dicks. Um, It's not the same as like foreign films having to overcome like adversity um, in a very white nation. But um, just kind of, it had me like that whole instance with the shooter and then Mm -hmm. the fact that, like I said, I passed an ambulance and a fire truck and I was like, oh, that's odd. I haven't heard that sound in a while. Like it had me thinking about... um, like, just how our differences and our different perspectives and our, our different viewpoints on life mm-hmm. and stuff kind of influence our artwork. Like, um, Nashville, for instance, I the film industry is a lot of music videos and reality yeah. TV shows and stuff like that here. And I was driving to work and um, heard a advertisement for the film festival here and it's like mostly documentaries here it's like literally the documentary film festival instead of just like a regular film festival documentaries and wildlife films uh probably i imagine that's probably that was the one that we missed when we moved up here i remember they had one that was all about like wildlife type stuff well the one that's going on right now is a documentary Documentary, yeah. yeah i don't think it's a specific category but i'd imagine they get a lot of like nature and wildlife stuff out here but like 
the difference in like where we're from or yeah I, I guess more well you lived there most of your yeah. life too um i pretty much only ever lived there <laughs> but um like the city life and like the chaos of like the work that comes out of there versus like now we're in montana and it's all like calm and slower paced and like more in touch with the nature and land mm-hmm. and stuff and like everything in nashville is kind of like flashy yeah. and over the top and like i said like these dumb reality shows and music videos and fast-paced editing and well, stuff that grabs you like in the pros on that though um in the pros you get that because i'm about to talk about writing god damn it i'm a genius when it comes to wordplay um i think nashville had one thing and one thing only that it offered us um as far as our craft went like because we didn't fall in the line of dumb music video you know let's go sit on that car man in that parking lot we're gonna go smoke some blunts. There's We're like, gonna get some girls like twerking in the background. What well, we a lot got of talented out of, artists in Nashville. There are a lot mm-hmm. of talented artists in Nashville, and any of them would tell you this as well. The thing you get when you work in Nashville, um, or you work around Nashville, whether it's playing music or making films or writing books, you get a certain sense of music from that town. You're surrounded by it. You can't walk through Broadway without hearing 50 songs at the same time. It's the signature. It's the music city. It's influenced my writing in a permanent way that I'll never be able to lose with the lyricalness where I need to quick jump, you know, and then long guitar solo with words and then quick jump. And it's influenced your film. And the way that you use sound and cuts and the way that you edit and move things in, it's very musical. Well, that's actually like literally what it had me thinking about. I'm so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like like the lifestyle here is just like slower. I've noticed whenever I'm the front car, like stopped at the red light. Like, we take off, like, at the same time. Like, if there's a person in the lane next to me, like, we take off at the same time. And I always end up way ahead of them. Because, like, I'm used to, like, Nashville aggressive driving. Like, you get it and you go and you get out of the way, you know. And, like, when we go to the grocery store, Brett's always frustrated by how slow everyone's walking. And, like, the (laughs) lifestyle. Is everybody else seeing this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, the lifestyle here is just, like, so much slower pace than what um, I think either of us are probably Mm -hmm. used to. And so, it had me thinking specifically about that, like how work is kind of pieced together and, like, the pacing and stuff in it. Like, we haven't watched any, um, like, films from out of here, and we haven't read... Or I, I want to, because we can go down to here. the Roxy and see local films any night. Yeah. You haven't read any books from here yet, have you? I don't think I have. I've, I read a lot, so I might have read yeah. a book by a author, but not since we've been out here. Yeah. yeah, so, like, we've not, like, intentionally, like made a point to seek out like the artists here and kind of like see their work and like I want see... to. I want to start yeah. a writer's group here. <laughs> I'm not saying we don't want to, but um like I am kinda curious like with the documentary film festival and stuff if it is like more like kind of a slower pace, like Artsy. work about yeah, like work about the land or work about the people or whatever where like I feel like a lot of my work is a little more like chaotic and faster paced and a little yeah. more amped up, even if it is like about like the people or the land or whatever you know i might be filming like i feel like the pacing is probably different because i'm used to you could find a way to film bison walking 
which we can go see less than 10 minutes from our apartment. If you filmed bison, it would be like harsh cut to the eyeball, harsh <laughs> cut to the wound on his leg, harsh <laughs> cut back to the eyeball, harsh cut up to the sky, you know. Yeah, or like a Not big... harsh in a bad way, <laughs> quick, you know, jump cut. Yeah, or, I mean, which everybody's individual style is going to be a little different. I'm not saying anybody. No, but you'd bring the chaos of the city to something this calm, which is yeah. almost unnerving. You know? <laughs> which I'm not saying that there aren't people here who are native to Montana that might not have that kind of style too, but I, I am curious if even like the writing is uh, like more description and kind of more drawn out and a little like slower. Yeah. Well, I would think so. And the only reason that I would say I would think so is back to my buddy, Cormac McCarthy, raised in the Appalachian Mountains. And he has that style where he'll spend a page describing what it looks like to watch the sun go down in Mexico. And it like draws and draws and draws. There's no commas, so it's just one big sentence that goes on. Painting you a picture on a yeah. page. This is the scene. I'm going to set this scene to where I don't have to describe so much as a shadow for the rest of the chapter. <laughs> I do feel like, though, interestingly enough, especially since we're um, kind of closing out the silent film, like having done it here in Montana versus doing it in Tennessee, I found a little more appreciation for... Um, I guess the literal silence, like what you can say without the words and without the music and like how... That's what drew me here in the first place is just how fucking quiet this place is. Yeah. <laughs> like how how much emotion you can put into just the way that the room sounds. Mm -hmm. so like I, I have like caught myself... Um, I don't know. They're, like I feel like a lot of the people that are native to here like just kind of used to the scene and used to yeah. like all the pretty views and like when the snow comes they're like oh fucking snow you know and, like so when they have the to snow... create their own little pretty little dramas <laughs> yeah and like whenever it <laughs> snows here i'm like oh man that's really pretty or when i walk outside and you can't hear the traffic i'm like oh man the silence that's nice and like we've uh, sat outside and just watched the moon you know get caressed by the clouds since we moved here yeah and like I don't know. Like, I, I feel like maybe it hasn't had a massive impact yet, but just, like, noticing, like, the way the, like, the fog hangs to the mountains and, like, there is a lot of fucking snow here <laughs> and, like, the way it sounds here. And, like, we literally went out to a random location so I could get some... Um, yeah. just silence like the sound of the air and like you could just hear like my favorite road birds in town. <laughs> which we couldn't even see they had to be like way off in the distance you could hear yeah. the birds like calling to each other to Walmart like, it, <laughs> it's in the city and it's dead silent unless a car drives by yeah. which it did fucking <laughs> five times, times. Our main frustration with the film has been, like, we couldn't walk across the street because all the cars showed up for absolutely no reason on Super Bowl Sunday when we were trying to <laughs> shoot the damn thing. And then we picked a random, you know, Sunday to go get B-roll audio. And <laughs> it was like, why are you all on my dirt road? Where the fuck are you going? <laughs> yeah, no, it did. This film has weirdly been more of a challenge than I thought it would be. <laughs> And specifically just the sound. <laughs> but I, I do feel like, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting combination to see, like, the way all of that kind of bleeds into each other, like, because you've traveled more than I have. Yeah, um, no, I've been in Tokyo, which is the biggest city 
on the planet and the most populated country on the planet. Like, <laughs> like, I would love to take you there from here so you can go. Nashville was nothing because this is a city of like 50 million fucking people. You <laughs> That's probably undercutting it by half. You weren't um, actively pursuing a career in just writing when you were in Tokyo, though. Do you mm. think if you went back now, like in this phase of your life that you're in now, that you would see it differently than you did then? Well, Tokyo is weird because if you go into like Tokyo proper, like Shinjuku and Tokyo, Tokyo, and um, I'm going to forget all the other ones. There's one that begins with an R and another begins with an S that come to mind. Um, Rapungi and it's gone. <laughs> um, Tokyo proper is madness. It, it, there's so many fucking people. Like you stand at a the, the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift movie when they drift through the crowd that goes through the intersection. That is no bullshit. Every thirty seconds, that many people meet up to cross the street in that four-way, six-way, eight-way, you know, <laughs> crosswalk, whatever the fuck it is. I had a friend propose to his girlfriend in the middle of that crosswalk. Why? Because it's incredible. I think that's in Shinjuku. Um, but then again, we also got drunk in like Rapungi and got on the wrong train and two hours later woke up in the middle of Japanese nowhere. Where it was like, you're in a town of five people. <laughs> You're up in the mountains hanging out with Japanese people who don't want to have fuck all to do with that. It's only two hours away. So they can like get on the train, go get groceries, and go fuck right back off into the mountains. But do you think if you went back now, Oh, it would definitely like... influence it. And I think it did, in a way. Like, it, the, the chaos of the whole situation. Jap Japan. Uh, <laughs> Japan is weird in the sense that there's so many people, but they're all so polite. So it's almost dead silent, but you might be walking past a million people. Do a lot of and people I'm six foot there? two, so I can see over all of them. Do what? <laughs> Do a lot of people drive? Oh, yeah. Every... It, a lot of people, like a York. lot of people drive so much that you can't really drive in and out. Well, no, but like a lot there's of so in many New York people. Don't own cars oh no, take Tokyo makes New York City look like a little bitch. <laughs> do most of the citizens drive, or do they take like the subway. public transit? Trains, yeah. You, you take the trains and then you walk to where you need to get to. But people that live in the area might have cars, and there's so many of them that they block up traffic. So you're taking trains past cars locked in gridwalk you're walking past cars locked in gridwalk uh, we were like maybe an hour and a half away from the base one night and it took us six hours to get home and we had to like figure out how we were all going to sacrifice our paychecks to pay the taxi driver because <laughs> he'd been driving from like midnight until like six in the morning that's crazy <laughs> think about that yeah if you get stuck in traffic yeah. in a taxi well, the train stop at midnight so if you're not on that last train where they're literally like kicking you into the train because they can't fit any more people then you're fucked <laughs> that would be terrible i wouldn't like that yeah it's madness it, it's madness in all directions but it, it, it was beautiful because it was quiet and polite like nobody was like fuck you asshole and starting fights on the train like me and my friends drunkenly when i was like 22 um, we had beers on the train and we were drinking on our way into Tokyo from the base 
And you can drink in public in Tokyo? Yeah, you can't smoke on the platform, but you can drink beers. Yeah. Can you drink in public anywhere there? I think so. We never got yelled at for it. <laughs> but we were Americans, and for Fucking some reason, Americans. yeah, we, we bombed them into peace, so... I don't know. <laughs> but um, I accidentally spilt my beer because my buddy was talking, and he was being very animated, and he slapped my beer out of my hand in the middle of his talk, like he was waving his arms and shit. And uh, the beer soaked this girl who was wearing a beautiful dress, was obviously going out for a really nice night. You know, like she was all about it. She was going somewhere important, had this white dress on. My buddy slaps my beer out of my hand and coats this woman in beer. Like the whole goddamn can just fucking lands all over her. Oh, no. Douchebag move. Way to ruin her night. Mm -hmm. And her response was to apologize to me. And my friend for being in the way of the beer. You apologized. To her oh, story. I apologized <laughs> profusely. <laughs> for like the whole time we were on the train, I, I couldn't fucking wrap my head around what had just occurred because she was soaked in beer, and I was like, oh, you know, like fucking bowing and you know my little you know what all the Japanese words I knew. I just started throwing them at her. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I can't believe that happened. And yeah, she was more upset at herself for like making me so upset for spilling beer on her. The Japanese people are fucking incredible. Does it make a difference? um, If you do that in a New York City subway, your buddy slaps a beer out of your hand, it ruins some girl's dress, you're getting your ass kicked. I was going to ask you that. Does it make a difference their um, gender? Like if you had spilled a beer on a dude? Women are very... Well, I have a dude story from the same night because I'm also very animated when I get drunk and I talk with my hands. And me and my buddies were standing on a sidewalk and I'm telling a story and in the story I throw my hands out, you know, like east and west, you know, just... ah! And I clotheslined a man off of his bicycle who was wearing a suit. He was on his way to work, and I definitely broke that dude's nose because I hit him, like, with the back of my forearm right in his face as he was riding a bicycle. And he got up and apologized (laughs) to me because he was not in the bicycle lane. He was riding his bicycle down the sidewalk, and had he not been riding his bicycle down the sidewalk, he would not have gotten clotheslined off his bicycle. And he scrambled to his feet and started bowing and apologizing to me because he ran into my hand and broke his nose. Oh, no. I, I bought that guy a beer immediately, for the record. They're like We were on like a, a row that had a shitload of bars, and I like ran in and grabbed the dude a beer and brought it out. I he was, was on like, his way to work. I yeah. don't think he's supposed and, to and drink. A couple, well, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was hammered again. But I was just telling a story. I threw my hands out, clotheslined a man off a bicycle. He busted his shit. He bled all over his suit, which probably cost him like fucking six months goddamn pay and he was apologizing to me mm. i have nothing against the japanese people they are the, the salt of the earth I've, I've had one that i don't know i'm going on a japan rant but i wanted to go see hirohito's grave and for those of you that don't know that was the emperor of japan when we were in world war ii i wanted to go see where they put this guy and they put this guy on a hill in the woods away from everybody and I didn't know how to get there and I didn't speak a word of Japanese and I was trying to explain to the bus driver and the bus driver was getting upset 
and this random dude on the bus starts Google translating with me, diverted his entire afternoon to take me to Hirohito's grave, Aww. hung out with me while I was taking pictures of the grave site and kind of like taking it all in because it's like him and his wife and his grandfather up there. Walked me back down to the bus stop while I'm waiting on the bus, and I think this guy's gone for the day. He runs off to a little vending machine and buys me a coffee because they got like the vending machines that have warm and cold drinks because Japan's just the shit. He gets me a coffee thing and he like runs back over to the bus stop, gives me the coffee that he's paid for after all of this. And then when the bus pulls up, he runs up, tells the bus driver when I need to get off and where I need to get off and then gets off and waves at me as I'm driving away on the bus. And I was like, that's the coolest man I've ever met in my life. The Japanese people. We're, we're going back to Tokyo because I miss it in my heart and I need cocoa curry. <laughs> so did he just stay there? How did he get home? Uh, he, he didn't get on that bus. Like he, <laughs> he, he ran up like it was the wrong bus. So like mm. he had like the bus that was going the other direction. But he diverted his whole day by like two hours to come take some random American dude to go see the old emperor's... Hmm. grave that's probably like a point of i mean i don't know that i'd go that far out of my way for a stranger it's a, no, it's but that's a japanese a honor system for them yeah, so it's that buddha mentality where it's like i am a man and this is my moment and this man needs me in his moment and so well, i'm going to see where this experience leads me and he well too was i'll that never like forget an that, that they liked was it like hirohito a, yeah he led them into battle so he wasn't a popular emperor? Well, he wasn't for a part, but the military kind of took over the Japanese government during World War II, and Hirohito had very little to do with it. Like, he found out about Pearl Harbor after the fact. He was like, what the fuck have you just done to me? And following World War II, uh, him and... Mac- God damn it. MacArthur... Um, rebuilt Japan together. So he's seen as a part of that reconstruction mm. of the say, entire if it's country. A figure that they're proud of that may have been too just like a Yeah. But he was just like for him to be like, let me show you yeah. our emperor. <laughs> but it was like the death of the Japanese like empire system. Like I don't know if they still have an emperor or if it happened after Hirohito at all. Hirohito, for all I know, might have been the last one. I don't know a lot about Japanese politics. But I wanted to go see the guy that was in charge during World War II. And this random Japanese guy that I met through Google Translate, (laughs) we couldn't have conversations. Like, we're walking through the woods, pulling out our cell phones and trying to talk to each other in broken English and broken Japanese. I don't think that I would want that to be a permanent solution because it's a little lazy versus just learning the actual language. But I saw a thing where they made yeah, all this the, little... Yeah, the earbud things. Yeah, and yeah. You can, it'll translate for you so you can actually hear in your ear like a translation. I was like, that's kind of neat versus mm-hmm. having to type it all out. Like that would be a neat thing to have if you were in a foreign country because you could be like, oh, like, <laughs> you know. But no, I'd love to go back to Japan and just see how it influences me mm-hmm. and i'd love to take you over there just because i think you'd fucking love japan if you've not been to japan you owe it to yourself i got my free ride through the air force not a free ride a lot of bad shit happened but <laughs> um no that country's uh, do you think having fucking incredible a mom from another country like affects any of your work too because i mean i know that yeah, my mom is english yeah and like i, I was know born in england their attitudes yeah. are different than 
like the attitudes here of like people and they view you know yeah things differently than we do just do you think that ever affected yeah my mom grew up in the troubles in london like bus bombs and fucking people blowing the fronts off macy's and somebody tried to kill margaret thatcher like <laughs> she came to america and saw like the way we see missoula it was like holy fuck this place is so cool and then now she lives over there because they don't have mass shootings every day <laughs> but my mom's like old school english comes from a really big family like eight or nine fucking kids yeah and um like my uncle used to like beat the shit out of people he like chained a guy up behind his car one day for like slapping somebody around he it was not a you know like east end type people you know yeah. so that definitely influenced my dad was um an Air Force brat in Michigan had a hard life, you know, all of himself. But um, my mom is, yeah, definitely made lived an impact. In... She taught me how to read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant specifically more, I guess, the fact that um, more of your life has been international. Like yeah, I've lived in a bunch of states and a couple of countries, yeah. Like, my whole life has been pretty much, like, the southeast region mm -hmm. of the United States. And, like, I feel like even just... Uh, the move here to Montana and like having to have made that drive like the across drive the country was twice. The craziest <laughs> shit. I had to do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> like this is old Bill's firework strip club stand. <laughs> yeah, mine was a little less eventful than ours was. I I was a little more like just get there <laughs> on my trip. I was like terrified the car was gonna break down or something, and I was just gonna yeah. be stranded in some random state. <laughs> I'm lost in Rapid City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I feel like even just like that little, because I mean, we haven't been here even half a year yet, so it's not like it's been that long, but even just that little like chunk of my life has kind of changed my view of the world a bit. Like, Especially would, the country. That's how small this place is. Well, I think too, like it's kind of surprising for me, which kind of goes back to that whole like concept of overcoming barriers and how we're all really kind of internally the same. Like, yeah very surprised that the people here outside of like the slower pace of life which i mean i guess if you went to a smaller town in tennessee that would be true yeah, too if you went back to my memville <laughs> yeah like they aren't really any different mm -hmm. like I, I i don't i would have expected i guess that far of a move to have like the people to have been vastly different and it's like oh they're all still kind of the same yeah. aren't they you know they just know how to deal with winter better than i do <laughs> and they move a little slower than i do and I don't know, but it's all it's still kind of the same type of people, so that was kind of a weird, like, I don't know, like, the travel and, like, having moved to, like, a whole different region is, like, open my eyes, but at the same time, it's like, oh, we are all kind of the same, though, yeah. aren't we? That mushy, we're all one. Well, we're all people. Yeah. We all have the same, like, base desires, and, it would, of course, I make, you know, the joke, there are definitely people that are way the fuck worse off than I can't even wrap my head around. I can't imagine growing up in, like, sub-Saharan Africa or, you know, yeah. like, being a kid right now in Syria. Like, I can't I can't wrap my head around anything like that, you know? But, like, in more developed regions, you know, you think that there's so much more that divides us, but there's, like, life and death. I, like, I think even... That. And in impoverished regions, like third world countries, like mm -hmm. I have a completely different 
perspective of what life is compared to them, for sure. Yeah. Like, I'm not you even... You weren't a child soldier. Or, you yeah, know? <laughs> like, I have no concept yeah. of what day-to-day life is like for them, but I think even, like, in third world countries at the core, it's still, like, I just mm-hmm. want to provide for my family and what? have food and yeah. clean water and shelter and not die and, you know, like, all... I mean, they're trials that they face are vastly different than the trials that we face here but i feel like even with that it's just like i want to live my life basically you know what interests me the most and i think what influences me the most is what scares people in different places like fear is universal fear is a human instinct it's my favorite emotion that's why i write what i like to write you know um but you scare people differently everywhere you go. So you have to f- cut through the bullshit. You have to cut through the core. I'm not writing a book about how Donald Trump scares America. You know, it's temporary. It doesn't work. Why does it work? You know, what about him terrifies us? Is it the fear of a dictatorship? Because people in Germany can relate to that. Yeah. People in Syria can relate to that. Write a story about a dictator. It goes over his fucking head, you know. Momar Gaddafi's dead. You could write about that. Cannibalism scares everybody. <laughs> Zombies freak people the fuck out because everybody's lost somebody that they don't want to see again. Maybe that's why I love Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery is universally horrifying. You want them back. They don't come back the way they were. Yeah. Fear is the universal language. People are like, love. And it's like, no, I don't love goat soup or whatever <laughs> goat soup. yeah i don't like eating bats or whatever the fuck is going on with the coronavirus to tie it back to parasite <laughs> i do love spaghetti and i'm gonna go make some spaghetti because um, i'm feeling these beers and it's getting late and i gotta wake right the fuck back up for day four or five Tomorrow's of my 10 hour shifts Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and Kristen will tell you all about her brand new present (laughs) on the next episode of Mistakes Were Made. Well, that's not fair. You're going to give me mine early. Yours won't be here by then. I'm giving you yours on Valentine's Day. That's not fair. It is fair. It's Valentine's Day. We're going to eat steak. You're going to get your gift. I don't like gifts. I can. You're going to like your gift. I I don't like gifts in general. I'm sure I'm going to like the gift. I'm just, I don't like receiving gifts. But um, it's my uh, weird little quirk. But yes, you will be getting your gift tomorrow, and you can tell them all about it when they come back to the Mistakes Were Made podcast on Friday. Love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you, guys. We'll talk to you on Friday. (laughs)